Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Dr. Miles Nichols. He's the co-founder of Medicine with a Heart Institute, a functional medicine training school. It's a school that focuses on certifying practitioners around the world in functional medicine testing. Uh, he's also co-authored How to Use Your Mind to Heal Mold and Lyme and stress resistance. Uh, so, Miles, thanks for coming today. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm okay. A bit about your, your background. Like, how did you get into these topics and everything with mold and stress and, and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, growing up, I had a grew up with a, a family who had medical awareness. My dad was a doctor and also had a master's in public health. And so it was around from when I was a, a child that, that, medicine was important, health was important. And uh, unfortunately, when I was 15, I was babysitting for a friend, a sister, uh, my sister's friend, and got a call from a family friend who said that something's happened. Your dad's in the hospital. You're going to have to go visit him. And unfortunately, it turned out he had passed from a heart attack suddenly and unexpectedly. And that kind of threw me for a loop early on, trying to figure out, well, How'd that happen? He had top-notch medical training. He went to Stanford Medical School. He got a master's in public health from Harvard. And, you know, why didn't, why wasn't there warning? Why didn't we see it coming? Why couldn't we have done something about it? Got me asking a lot of questions about health and medicine. And, and it got me feeling like I want to be around for, for a family of mine someday. I don't want to have them have to go through what, what my family went through when, when my father passed. And, and that I want to help other people to be able to do that too. And that, that led me into being interested in medicine. And then I had my own health issues in my early twenties where I had chronic fatigue and was really struggling to even get through school. And I remember the day when I was called into the office to say, Hey, you might not, you know, be making it through school if you don't 
get your attendance for the early morning class up. And I, I had to really look at myself and think, why is this happening? How can I be doing so well academically, but having such a hard time getting to a morning class and feeling so fatigued throughout the day? And that launched me into, I, I just, you know, I was starting to question, how am I able to, I started to question, is there something wrong with me mentally? I, I started to buy into the fact that the doctor had said that, oh, there's nothing wrong. Maybe you're depressed, but uh, I didn't feel depressed. And, and that, that fact that I was facing not being able to complete school and live my dreams really was the wake up call for me to dedicate myself to say, I got to figure this out. I, I just got to understand what's going on and seek until I feel better. And well, what, what, how old are you and what was going on? Yeah, I was in my early 20s and uh, I was really fatigued. It didn't matter how much I slept. I could sleep eight, nine, 10 hours, sometimes even feel more tired. And I really had a big struggle getting up in the morning, getting going in particular. And I would be tired throughout the whole day. And I tried to figure it out through going to a variety of practitioners, you name it. I probably went there, chiropractors, acupuncturists, naturopaths, integrative MDs, functional doctors, everything. I didn't get a lot of headway for a while. It took a long time. Finally, I found a, a mentor who helped me understand some testing in functional medicine. And I was able to discover some things that weren't commonly tested for, like um, parietal cell antibodies in the stomach that I, I, I had uh, my immune system attacking cells in my stomach that made it hard for me to metabolize vitamin B12. I ended up having a thyroid issue, even though the conventional doctor had said it looked normal from a functional perspective, it was actually low. And uh, I had a bacteria in my stomach called H. pylori. I wound up finding two chronic um, Lyme co-infections, Bartonella and Babesia, and I found genetics for predisposition to accumulate toxin from mold. And I had been living in a moldy place that I discovered and moved out of promptly once I discovered it. But all oh, of man. that took a, many years to figure all of that out. But but I figured all that out and started sorting through those things over time. And there are a few more things that, that were going on, but those are the big ones. So how much better off were you once you were able to address the underlying issues? How much better did you feel? Yeah, so first addressing the H. pylori on the gut side, I, I felt slightly improved, but not majorly. Once I addressed the parietal cell antibodies for those cells attacking my the immune system, attacking cells in my stomach, um, I felt dramatically better because that was really depleting my cells of vitamin B12. Even though I was taking oral B12, I, I wasn't getting into the cells because of the intrinsic factor, which is made by those stomach cells, gets affected in parietal cell antibodies. And so even though I was taking B12 to try to get my levels up orally, it wasn't doing it. And I had to use injection of B12 in order to get those levels up. And that felt dramatically better once I figured that antibody and treated it. That was a huge player. And then the chronic infections, the two Lyme co-infections were also uh, another significant change in my energy and my sleep and my ability to feel like I had the ability to wake up earlier, the ability to get through the day and feel energetic and not need to feel like I need to take a nap and not need to go to bed early. That That's all shifted since the infections, the mold, and the parietal cell antibodies were the big three that shifted it for me. How did the concept of uh, your institute 
come about? What what happened next? Yeah. So what I once I had figured out some things that were going on, and I also want to stress that in, internal work was important too. I, I found a meditation practice, and I was able to also work internally and and work on stress and work on my own way that I relate to my health problems and challenges and struggles that I had at the time. So I, I found a, a movement practice that were Qigong-like movements and meditation practice um, that really, really helped as well. And so once I had started recovering, I decided, well, I, I really need to help other people who are struggling with complex, chronic, and mystery things. Because I had gone through the gamut, even with even with functional medicine, I had gone to some practitioners and I still hadn't found, no one had tested for these chronic Lyme co-infections. No one had tested me for mold. No one had tested for parietal cell antibodies. I had to, unfortunately, in my case, figure it out for myself. So I decided I need to, you know, I need to create something, a clinic, something to help other people to and be able to do this easier than it was for me. And so I created a clinic together with uh, another practitioner, Dr. Diane Mueller. We co-founded the Medicine with Heart Clinic to help guide people through a step-by-step process for figuring out the root causes for complex chronic diseases and then resolving those complex issues, especially we're known for mold and, and Lyme, but we deal with gut issues, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, and mental illness sometimes has an infectious root cause as well. And that's a part I'd like to, to educate people about that I don't think a lot of people understand. So what's a, what do you do nowadays? Is it direct functional medicine doctor type work or is it counseling or what is it? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Yeah, I have a functional medicine clinic based in Colorado, but we do see people all over the country. And we work with people to uh, do comprehensive lab testing to identify root causes for complex issues. We do a lot of testing for things like Lyme disease, mold illness, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, or we get people who are come come to us already diagnosed with those issues, but they haven't figured them out how to how to resolve those root causes. So they come to to recover and to see if we can help where maybe other clinics haven't been able to help. So we get a lot of people who've been to three, four, five, six, seven other practitioners before. Um, we really specialize in working with those complex chronic issues that are kind of mysteries. And um, we got pretty well known for that. So then we created a, an institute, the Medicine with Heart Institute, to train other practitioners in how to work with these very complex issues that are not responsive to the standard, like a standard functional medicine 
clinic will do a lot with gut and maybe a little with detoxification and they'll do some things with thyroid and hormones and, and that's pretty standard, but often the people who, who aren't yet better after that wind up coming to us because our clinic really works on figuring out those things that have been missed and things that are persisting that aren't obvious or that, that aren't addressed in typical, for sure, not typical conventional medicine, but also not even sometimes in functional integrative or alternative medicine either. So what, what's missing in traditional medical care, non-functional doctors? What are they not doing that they need to, to improve the outcomes for patients? Well, a lot of patients wind up in a similar spot as I did where I went to, I was struggling with chronic fatigue. I went to my conventional doctor. He did a round of labs and said, nothing looks wrong. Maybe you're depressed. Go see a psychiatrist. And that it first off, it didn't land with me. I didn't feel depressed. I actually felt pretty happy. I was just tired. And secondly, I now know and understand that depression in and of itself and anxiety often, there's a big body of research that shows that depression has a root cause of inflammation. And then inflammation has a root cause of often infection or toxin issues. So when the conventional system is very good at dealing with acute issues, I love it. It's so amazing. If I get hit by a bus, I, I want immediately into the ER. That's just absolutely phenomenal what we can do. If I have a life-threatening pneumonia, I absolutely want an antibiotic right away. And that can be a life-saving intervention. And a lot of the, it used to be the top 10 causes of death were largely filled with things like tuberculosis and pneumonia and, and typhoid. And, and none of those things are big killers today. So so conventional medicine has done an amazing job at dealing with some of the acute infections and dealing with some of the things that used to just ravish this world. Where it's falling short is with chronic illnesses. It's now estimated that about 75% of doctor visits are for chronic illnesses. And a majority, a vast majority of medications prescribed are trying to manage those chronic illnesses, but they don't resolve the root causes. They don't get to those underlying issues. So it, it's take a pill for the rest of your life. And chronic diseases of all kinds are on the rise. Autoimmunity is on the rise. Diabetes is on the rise. Lyme disease is the fastest growing infectious disease um, outside of, of these seasonal viral things or, or occasional pandemics. The Lyme disease has been steadily growing for many, many years. And it's really starting to come onto people's radar, but a lot of things get dismissed. If someone has a lot of pain, they often get diagnosed fibromyalgia. And that diagnosis is just saying, we don't know what's wrong with you, but you feel pain in a bunch of different areas. And what I try to do in our clinic and that I would hope that other practitioners and my mission is to help other practitioners do more of is to, to not accept these diagnoses of exclusion like fibromyalgia or irritable bowel syndrome that are just saying you have a collection of symptoms and we don't know why, that practitioners will really look for causes, even when there aren't causes that are conventionally accepted. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So when I have chronic, when I had chronic fatigue and I went in and I was just told that, that maybe you're depressed and go see a psychiatrist, that was ignoring, I mean, it, it, the fact that it took me a long time, but I, I figured out I had 
I had a gut bacterial infection. I had an autoimmune uh, antibody against cells in my stomach. I had multiple chronic infections and, and none of that was even mentioned as a possibility, even a far-fetched possibility in the conventional medical system. If I had kept going, I likely would have been prescribed an antidepressant. It likely wouldn't have helped. And then I would just be dismissed at that point. And that's unfortunate, but there are a lot of people who they feel like something's off and they're dismissed and told that either there's nothing we can do or you can take a medication for the rest of your life to kind of sort of manage your symptoms, or maybe go to see a psychiatrist and try and get some medication to manage your mood around this problem that you're having. And even mood issues have, there's very clear research on infections causing significant changes to people's mood and causing depression, anxiety, easily being stressed when a person didn't used to. And so I think that conventional medicine is doing an amazing job at dealing with acute issues, at, at doing life-saving interventions, surgical procedures, and really taking care of some of the acute infectious diseases. Absolutely phenomenal. Where it's falling short is chronic diseases, where the CDC today says that six in 10 Americans have at least one chronic disease. And it, several years ago, it was four out of 10. And you know, several years before that, it was, it was even less. And so it's, it's dramatically rising very quickly. What, what percentage of Americans now have at least one, one chronic disease? Six in 10. So it's 60%. It's a majority of Americans that have at least one chronic disease. And what about number of pills taken and, you know, at certain ages, um, I had heard, I guess, 64 and up is an average of two chronic diseases or maybe more. I mean, what, what are some more of the stats? Yeah. So, so if you take everyone, then you have about 40% of people who have two or more chronic diseases. And of course that increases as people age and as people get into their fifties and sixties, they often become dependent on multiple medications and those medications increase by about approximately one extra medication per decade once you start to hit about 50 years old. And some people are on as many medications as decades old they are when they get into their 70s, 80s, often it's seven, eight plus medications. And then medications are treating side effects of other medications. And there's a, a cocktail of sorts of things that are trying to deal with side effects of other things and manage symptoms of chronic diseases. And, and it costs a lot of money, it costs our medical system a lot of money. And, and even people who have insurance wind up paying quite a lot out of pocket after things get to a certain point. And a lot of that's preventable. And, and we know some diseases are, are 100% preventable. And others are so clinically, what kind of successes have you had? What kind of conditions and successes? Yeah, so Lyme disease and mold illness are the, the two of the big things that we treat in our clinic, but not everyone knows that they have Lyme disease or that they have mold illness. So a lot of people come in because they say they're chronically fatigued, they have chronic pain or fibromyalgia, they are depressed or anxious in a way that they didn't used to be depressed or anxious. They don't handle stress in the way that they used to. They feel like they're brain has started to shut down and they have brain fog. They can't think clearly. They're distracted easily. And that didn't used to be the case for them. 
these are the kinds of things that people tend to complain about when they come into our clinic. And, and, and we do lab testing to figure out what those root causes are. Often Lyme disease or another co-infection or mold illness or toxin accumulating or a gut issue or a hormone dysregulation or an autoimmune issue or some combination of those, a methylation issue. We do comprehensive labs to look for all those root causes. And then once we find them, we're able to treat them. And some are easier to treat than others. Uh, Blood sugar issues are a little easier to treat than something like Lyme disease or or mold illness. Mold illness and Lyme are really, really complicated. Um, That's why we deal with them because um, very complicated and not a lot of places deal with them well. Well, what are, what are some of the symptoms of mold and Lyme that are unusual? Yeah, one of the ones that I don't think a lot of people know or understand about is related to mental illness. So there's very clear evidence of something called pandas and pans. And what that is, is sometimes kids or children will change their behavior almost overnight. And it'll they'll be doing well in school. And then all of a sudden, they'll have problems. They'll start being distracted, maybe angry. Maybe they'll get frustrated much more easily. They'll have a harder time dealing with stress. And it's it for a while, doctors didn't know what was going on. But the research came in at some point showing that, oh, a bunch of kids have this after they get a strep infection. And then within a few months after that strep infection, their personalities changed. And it took a while to figure it out. But after some time, researchers realized that the strep infection, the immune system created antibodies against strep, but those those proteins in strep happened to look a lot like receptor sites in the brain for important neurotransmitters like dopamine that help regulate mood. And so the immune system started to attack receptors like dopamine receptors and other brain chemistry regulation receptor sites. And that has led to a very clear body of evidence that shows that it started with strep, but actually now it's expanded to show that it's not just strep in children, but it's also Lyme disease, which is Borrelia burgdorferi is the bacteria and causes Lyme. Bartonella, which is a, what's often called a Lyme co-infection. It's also what causes the cat scratch fever that people talk about. And Epstein-Barr virus, which causes mono. And mold and mold toxins can all trigger this same cross-reactivity autoimmune response where the immune system attacks receptor sites in the brain and people's personality can change. So when I'm doing a an intake with someone and they tell me, you know, I was pretty normal until my mid twenties and I was handling stress well and did, things didn't really bother me, but then something happened. And, and all of a sudden I, I just, I couldn't handle any stress. I started to lash out at family members. I felt depressed. I got anxious. I didn't used to ever be anxious. That's a telltale sign to me that there may have been an infection or toxin exposure that could have led to cross reactivity against these receptor sites in the brain. And that could have led to a change in the brain chemistry because of infection. And if we treat that infection, we often see some significant shifts in that brain chemistry and the ability to regulate mood again and to feel happy again and to feel calm and stable and able to handle stress again. So that's one of the things that I think that people don't 
realize might be connected. And so depression, anxiety, and an inability to handle stress, especially if a person had a significant change in those things at a point in their life where before this point, I was pretty good on these things. And after this point, I was way more anxious, way more stressed, way more depressed. That's a sign that infection might be a cause. Similarly, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and chronic pain uh, of any sort, joint pain and neurological problems, headaches, migraines, and inability to concentrate or focus. Uh, Sometimes in extreme cases, even seizures are very common. And often there's subtler symptoms like stiff neck and maybe an inability to be able to exercise a person just feels so depleted that they feel like they they get wiped out when they try to exercise instead of getting energized from exercise. These are some of the things that we see very, very commonly as symptoms associated with these infections. Yeah, I've heard and experienced some of these, heard them from others, et cetera. They seem to be pretty common. How many, what percentage of people do you think experience Lyme or mold problems? Well, that's hard to say because in the clinic, I see people who are seeking out testing and treatment for Lyme and mold because they suspect it often or they have significant levels of symptoms. I think there are a lot of autoimmune conditions. I think if someone has a diagnosed autoimmune condition, the chances that in testing we would find Lyme and or mold are are quite high, very high. If someone's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I think very high. If someone has a change in their depression, anxiety, that that was a significant shift at one point in their life, I think very high. Bell's palsy, very high. Uh, There are several things that that are extremely high percentage chances of someone having these issues. It's estimated that one in two American homes has some water damage, even if there's not visible mold, that one in two, that's half of American homes are water damaged. And then about one in four people have a genetic to have a bigger problem than the average person with mold. So even smaller, non-visible levels of mold can cause problems in about one in four people. So you calculate that out and we would say about one in eight are are likely at some point in their life to develop an issue with mold toxin illness or chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And and the the gene doesn't always express, so it may be a little less than that. It may be more like one in 10 instead of one in eight, because the gene will express and not express, and some people never be exposed. But most people are exposed because there is quite a lot of water damage um, out there. and, And most people live, a lot of people live in, at some point, even if not now, historically had lived in water damage. And the thing about mold toxin illness is you could have lived in mold 10 years ago, And if you have that genetic that won't get rid of those toxin accumulated in the body, then even 10 years later, you can be chronically inflamed still and not feel well and have lots of symptoms, even though you've moved out of that place that was water damaged and you're in a place that's clean and clear now, we still see historic mold exposure from years ago causing chronic issues in the people who can't appropriately get rid of those toxins. And we need to help their body to get rid of those toxins in order for them to see recovery. So that's crazy. Yeah. That's years later. It's still an effective person. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's by no means a majority of people, I don't think, who are struggling with these issues. And some people walk around with Lyme and don't don't experience symptoms. And part of that's part of that is the 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 genetic predisposition. And part of it's that that we have something called allostatic load, which is your body can handle so much and still function well. You could have a Lyme infection and still function extremely well. And then maybe you get a mold exposure and maybe you're still functioning well. And then you have a huge stressor, a breakup, a a huge issue with your job, something big, a death of a family member. And then that could push your immune system down enough that the infection could take hold and start to cause symptoms. So we also see that where someone... We, we know Lyme is transmitted via the placenta, can transmit through placenta, so mother to child. So some people may have been born with it, never have symptoms until they reach this load of they had some traumas and they had some stresses and they had an environmental exposure and they had some issues with diet and lifestyle things. And that all compounded to more than the body could handle. And that's when we see the onset of many different kinds of symptoms. So so when people start to struggle with especially multi-system issues, like if they're tired and they have a neurologic thing like headaches and they have pain in the joints, like if they have multiple system issues, it's very, very common that they'd have one or more of these underlying root causes. And everyone wants that smoking gun. They want the one thing that's caused them to feel bad. But unfortunately, when we do comprehensive labs on almost everyone, it's two, three, four, sometimes five different things that all seem fairly significant that have come together to create that perfect storm to push the body beyond its point of being able to handle because body is so resilient. The human body is so resilient, can handle a lot, but it can get pushed past its limit. And that's when we see complex chronic diseases. That's when we see multi-system symptoms. And that's when we see often that it's important to get in and start to uncover these root causes and and work through them if people want to start to feel better. What what have you seen over the past uh, nearly two years with the, you know, the current health situation, the relentless fear pervaded by everyone? What have you seen in patients? Yeah, and that's it. It's starting in its early days, but it's starting to bring awareness to that infections can be chronic and cause problems because there's now what's referred to as long hauler, which is people who have symptoms post getting COVID. And and so um, even after the viral infection resolves, there are lingering symptoms, sometimes days, weeks, months, years later, and big organizations, conventional organizations um, are putting out data about long haulers and, and their researchers studying long haulers. And, well, and I mean, more as the intersection between Lyme and mold, you said stressors can make it worse or make it come yeah. out. So I, I mean, in that way. Yeah, my point there is just that I think people are realizing that an infection can lead to longer term issues and hopefully that'll bring more awareness to Lyme and other infections that that long term issues from these are are legitimate and are are actually experienced by people but yes, absolutely we can see that the the stress from staying at home, the stress from changes in the economy, the stress from job changes, the stress from 
actually knowing people who are having big impacts health-wise or or financially or in their job and the change in socialization and many many aspects are really pushing pushing that envelope on allostatic load and help and and a lot they are pushing a lot of people into being past their limit for what they can handle and and starting to um, feel some symptom autology coming on so in your practice is it i guess intelligent testing looking for all the right signals and then the treatment is what is it more diet based or what what does it look like overall yeah yeah that's a good question so when people come in we do a comprehensive case history we ask them to fill out lots of paperwork and questionnaires that help to identify in their history some of these things that might have occurred and and that's where we can dig in and and sit down and say oh, it sounds like you had this uh, suspected exposure to mold at this point in your life. And at this point in your life, there could have been a tick bite that could have led to a chronic infection. And at this point, there was a big stressor and there was a childhood trauma. And then, and we can piece that all together. And then there are some standardized questionnaires that, for example, for Lyme and co-infections that have been validated to show that people who score high on them are more likely than your average person to have Lyme as a root cause. And, and there's a questionnaire about toxicity and toxin load. And, and then after discussing what seems likely, that helps us make our lab order decision. So after, if I sit down with someone and I say, okay, based on this comprehensive case history and all your paperwork, it looks like we could have a chronic infection, a gut issue, and a toxic burden. Then we'll do testing for those three things, and then some general testing as well to cover our bases and see what all might be going on. Once those labs come back in, we do what's called a case review appointment where we go through those labs and say, okay, we have this, this, and this as root causes. We have a small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Uh, we have a, a, a Lyme, you know, Lyme disease, Lyme antibodies, and we have a uh, an exposure to a chronic inflammatory response likely due to mold and mold toxin, for example. Then we put together a treatment plan and that treatment plan usually does look like a lot of people who come to us, they've done a lot with diet already. If, if someone hasn't done a lot with diet, we'll use diet heavily. But if someone's already gone on five, six, seven, eight diets, and they really have worked hard on creating a healthful diet and way of eating, and they're already eating very, very healthfully. We get a lot of people who say, oh, I've been organic paleo for two years, you know, and by the time they come and see us. So, so sometimes diet's already pretty dialed, but if it's not, then we'll help dial it in. And sometimes we'll apply very specific based on lab dietary suggestions that people will want to implement small things to get certain nutrients or to maximize certain things that, that we see off on the labs. And then a lot of it relies on supplementation and anywhere from vitamins to minerals, to herbals, to nutraceuticals, to peptides, to sometimes pharmaceuticals. There We don't use a lot or rely on a lot of pharmaceuticals, but if they're called for, usually it's off-label uses and not to manage symptoms. It's more trying to get at root causes if, if there are some things that happen to be under that domain that, that we may or may not recommend that someone uses some of those. And, and, and then we might give a specific breath practice, a specific brain retraining practice. 
So, so we'll be giving very specific suggestions based on labs, customized to the individual, based on the root causes that we identified, explain that all thoroughly. And then we have tracking markers. There might be three or four markers, like some inflammation markers, a visual test that was off, a, a test related to the immune system function that was off. And then we'll retest those throughout treatment, uh, sometimes as often as every month in some labs, every two months in others, every three to six months in others, as people are going through treatment to see that we're getting the changes that we're looking for objectively, as well as, of course, a person reporting their symptom changes and how they're feeling. And then we keep going like that until people are, until we've resolved the lab issues and or till people feel like I'm, you know, I'm feeling great now. And, and now I just want to, I want to maintain this. And then we help put together a plan to maintain at that point. And some people then say, you know, I don't want to just maintain, I want to optimize. And then we also help people with hormone optimization, with longevity, with peptides and things that are a little more of the nature of, I don't want to feel good. I want to feel great. And so some people get into that mindset, which we love. I love working with people who are saying, you know, I've, I've recovered from this chronic health issue and now uh, I'm not done. I want to feel great. And uh, we help people with that too. Well, very good. Where can you help people? Can they live anywhere in the U.S. or the world? Or where can people find out more about you and get help? Yeah, any, most anywhere in the U.S. We can do labs and, 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 and most of the process that we do works almost anywhere in the U.S. New York's a little difficult on the lab testing front, but we can work with anyone in the U.S. We can work with people in the world, although labs and supplementation become very difficult for people outside of the U.S. So it looks a little different for our international clients. They wind up, we, we wind up having to rely more on certain things that are available to them locally where they are. And we might have limitations in testing and supplementation, but we still can do good work sometimes with people internationally, it kind of depends where they're based. So they, they can definitely call the office to find out for international, but anywhere in the U.S. we're able to, to work uh, with people in our full okay. capacity. And where, where do people go to get help? What website or where, where should they go? So medicinewithheart, all one word, dot com. Medicinewithheart.com is the clinic. So for people who want to schedule a free call with one of my staff, can schedule a call with the staff there to discuss if the clinic seems like a good fit and to get booked for an initial consultation. And then the Practitioner Training Institute is for practitioners or clinicians who want to learn to practice this kind of medicine is mindbodyfunctionalmedicine.com. That's mindbodyfunctionalmedicine, all one word, .com for the Practitioner Training Institute and medicinewithheart.com for the clinic. And we also have a free blog on the clinic site on medicinewithheart.com. There's a blog that's absolutely free that has great information on it about things like peptides, things like, like, like upcoming therapies and interesting articles around new health discoveries and research that's coming out that people may find interesting as well. Well, very good. Well, Dr. Miles, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. You're so welcome, Richard. Thank you for offering this platform and spreading the messages of people who are doing good work in the world. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.